everyone and welcome to this Vic Acres Wonderland Road to Stadium Australia podcast where we are dissecting the World Cup quarterfinals. Um, those of you hoping for an England dissection, uh, too bad, we covered it in a separate pod, uh, so make sure you go back and w- listen to that one. Um, we will be covering the remaining games which were Spain, Netherlands, Japan, Sweden and Australia, France and I think we can all say uh, from a dr- drama perspective we all got our money's worth. Um, to join me through this uh, intense uh, debate and highly intellectual discussion is, of course, the magnificent Matt. Matt, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, really enjoying this World Cup so far. And to be honest, third time, third time I've been able to watch a World Cup and this has been the best World Cup so far. It's been so entertaining from start to finish and I'm looking forward to seeing so much more of this World Cup, that's for sure. I, I completely agree. I mean, 2019, I thought was the was until this one, the, the benchmark in terms of World Cup, in terms of coverage, in terms of viewership, in terms of the quality of the product. I think it's amazing how much this game is progressing for years time. And we're seeing this now and we're seeing teams like um, uh, Colombia. Yeah, we yeah. talked about the England game. There are no easy games anymore. And we can say England got maybe an easier path to the semi-finals, but the, the teams they face, they haven't made it easy. And that's really exciting to watch. And we obviously have seen Germany go on the group stage, which is always nice. Um, alongside the magnificent Matt is, of course, the lovely Lottie. Lottie, how are you? I'm all right. I'm a bit fluey at the moment. As you can pro- audio listeners can probably hear, I sound like I'm talking out my nose, uh, which I technically am because I'm completely bunged up, which is gross. Um, but yeah, I'm all right. I'm enjoying my first World Cup. I'm loving every moment of it. Um yeah, just it's just really good at the moment. It, it, it's so good, and it, it it does feel a shame that we know that this this amazing tournament festival of football is coming to an end very very soon. There are only does a that few... mean I don't get any more football for breakfast, and I actually have to work in the mornings? Well, yes, I'm not quite grateful for because it means <laughs> that when the football was on, and you know, football is coming back. Um, we'll, the men's obviously this weekend, and there actually are games I can watch live, which is a nice change of pace, but. We do the quarterfinals, three games to get through, um, all with their uh, intrigue and drama to pick through. First up, Spain versus the Netherlands. Now, this was a game that um, none of us watched live (laughs) because it was um, because of FIFA and the USA and them being rubbish in the group stage and coming second um, was at stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, However, Matt, you did watch the highlights, as did I. Um, What did you make of this? It was one of those games where you thought the Netherlands were going to perhaps do what they did uh, in the Euros, but I thought they were going to go one step further. Um, If I'm honest, I didn't see Spain getting that far, if I'm honest. I thought at some point someone's going to turn up and then they'll just be knocked for six. Um, well, technically, it, technically, Japan did that. Unfortunately, it was in the group <laughs> stage. <laughs> oh, they knocked them for four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Lottie's laughing in the background, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. But um, 
it was just one of those games where I thought it was a real shame that we didn't get to see the true Netherlands. And I don't mean that to be harsh because this Netherlands team is a lot better than the one that was at the Euros. This has bear in mind that they don't have some of their talent players in Vivian Miedemar because of the ACL. Um, there's been few issue other other players that haven't been able to turn up. Fandadong was suspended as well. Yeah, another, another big loss. It, and I have to admit, Jamie, uh, a friend of the channel and the pod itself, we are hoping to get her on at some point as well, just to let let people know, ladies and gentlemen, she's a fantastic person and individual. Um, she she just called it that without Van der Donk there, that it's not the same Netherlands. And it kind of feels like if this is our last opportunity at a tournament, who's going to be the one to step up because it's it's going to be tough there is like van der graft as well it's her last it was the last tournament yes and um a a huge surprise really that the uh eredivisie uh was the female eredivisie should i say um isn't actually professional they're all semi-professional um, but they have got some talented footballers for sure. The Netherlands do know how to create fantastic footballers. So, um, just so people know, in terms of the progress of the game, it was a game that the Spanish did dominate. Um, they had a goal ruled out very narrowly for offside. There was an incredible save from uh, Van Domsela, whose stock just continues to rise, tipped onto the post, and the rebound came off the post as well. Um, I think you're saying the real Netherlands. I think it is. I think you do have an element uh, of truth to that. Obviously, did very well against USA, but I think as you've also seen the USA, it's not the same USA four years ago. Um, and I think there's an element of the, the the quality that we all know Spain have, but never knew if we would we would properly be able to see due to their management. Um, whether that would come to the fore, and I'm afraid it did. Amazingly, with these two high quality sides, the opening goal didn't happen until nine minutes from the end, the 81st minute, a Cal Dante penalty. I think it's her first goal for Spain. I think they were saying quite a few years. I didn't quite catch how long it was. Um, but very well taken inside of the post. I mean, we're going to talk about penalties in quite <laughs> quite a uh, more in-depth later on in the pod. But this one I thought was particularly good. But Van de Graat, bit of a gaff from her. It seemed to be a bit of a stupid... Um, stupid uh, defensive decision, shall we say, to have the arm in that particular position, Matt, for a player of that experience. Yeah, um, it's just a real shame, really, that it's um, one of those players, the the most experienced players. Mm. As we've mentioned, some of these players, as experienced as they are, they have been, I know you, they, they haven't been themselves. They've almost been terrorized by one or two players and um it, it just comes it just happens unfortunately it was a bit of a gaffe unfortunately um van der Graaf, who is uh well has now retired has said she was going to retire at the end of the tournament but has now retired um gave away the penalty for a handball it was given by far it was a marginal call which she, she was physically outside the box her feet were planned outside the box but a hand was in it hand out ball hit a right decision by VAR. VAR did have an interesting um, influence early in the game, and it was very similar to the penalty that we got well, given, but again, got chalked off uh, in the Nigeria game. Uh, Linnef Bernstein ran in behind, was, um, I think it's fair to say, uh, there was contact 
behind her and she hit the ground. A penalty was given. Um, Lottie, I did want to come to you. This is more of a, a question of um, VAR rather than of the incident, um, because I think we, people know we've had differing, differing opinions on VAR. Um, it looks like in the World Cup that VAR is not just judging whether there was contact or not, which is a pretty much a very yes, no answer. We can see if contact has been made, but whether the contact was uh, suitable enough or uh, would generate the, the, the would, would make the player hit the ground, shall we say, if it was sufficient contact. Do you think that's right or far? Or do you think the decision of sufficient contact should stay with the referee? Is this, is this over-interference by VAR, shall we say? It, if, in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. It depends on the intent of the incident. Because some, some things you can look at and go, yes, that was intentional. Straight pen, no questions mm -hmm. asked. And then there's incidences like you get in one of the other games, which we'll talk about later, where, she, where the player can't do anything about the ball hitting her arm in the box. Mm -hmm. There was absolutely no intent on that. Um, but it depends on the point of view, the VAR resistant and... Mm -hmm what the ref thinks because they mm. can disagree they, they, the ref can at the end of the day it lies at the referee's door regardless of what the VAR say yeah um, you, most of the majority of the time you need to look at it but when it played back, played back by screen by screen the decision has mm. usually changed because you get the accurate, accurate view you don't get the view from where you're standing on the pitch so mm. it's there's been some questionable calls in this quarterfinal round, to put it that way. There, ha there has been. I, I'm of the opinion that if that VAR should be used to determine if genuine contact has been made, but I feel the best person to judge whether they're, um, whether it's enough to knock a player down or whether anything's happened. The ref is there. They're the closest person to the incident. I feel that su the sufficient nature of the foul should lie with the ref. But VAR, obviously, they overturned the Rachel Daly decision. They... Um, overturned this decision with, with Bernstein running in behind. The Netherlands struggled to um, impose themselves on this game and you feel if they were going to get anything to go their way it would have been that. They didn't get that break. Spain did. Now the game then takes a rather intriguing twist um, because uh, Andres Jonker, no doubt inspired by Jonas Eidevel, decides to play the Gen Beatty card and moves Van der Graa into auxiliary striker mode. Um, now, this goal is fantastic, uh, also because Victoria Palova, who I think we can maybe say, she's moved to wing back in this World Cup, we can probably say it's maybe a quieter World Cup than maybe we hope, pulls out an amazing through pass that just annihilates the entire Spanish defence. Van der Graag runs clean through. This is a defender we're talking about here. This isn't a striker, this is a defender. Race onto the ball and lashes it past the keeper. Full, you know, bottom corner side netting. It's a brilliant finish on the 91st minute. Instant redemption. The game goes to extra time. And, you know, 30 minutes, it's, you know, anything can happen. For me, obviously, when these situations, I'm hoping for penalties because penalty shootouts are great fun, as this World Cup has proved, um, especially when you don't have a horse in the race. Otherwise, they're rubbish. Um, but this sadly didn't go to penalties um there were chances for both sides um there was a cross that came in and i think in the first of extra time that Lika martins almost got onto uh bernstein who thinks had a quite a good world cup um had a chance to dance through drive across the keeper just missed the far post and i think it was minutes later uh but i think is that it's paraluelo um race through it's actually a really good solo goal um on the break left channel 
dances through the uh, breaks down channel and then dances through defence and then it's just a drop of the shoulder. If you think back to when, um, again, men's football analogy, but Aubameyang's winner in the FA Cup final when he was facing up a defender and he just dropped the shoulder, shimmied over and had that space to dink over the keeper. This, in this instance, um, Pariello drops the shoulder, gets a space and drives it um, beyond the keeper. And that was it. Spain were through. 2-1 winners, um, probably worthy winners. Um, and that's their only their second knockout uh, winner at a World Cup. They are in the semi-finals. They are in contention. Um, before we wrap up on this one, I'm going to get your opinion on both of them. Matt, first, are Spain going to win it? They've got the talent, but can they can they do it? Can they actually win the first World Cup? I, th- I think we've seen it in the celebrations where all the players are celebrating with each other and then the manager get tries to get involved. Right. Like, sorry, sorry, can I just stop you there, Matt? There is a clip going around. I think it's the one you're on about where yes. he's, he's in the set. So, um, uh, uh, George Avilda, not the most popular man in the world of football, is on the centre circle. He's walking up with a team and all the players around him are celebrating with each other and he's very much in his own world. No one is coming to hug him or shake his hand or, or cheer, as you might see our players to put his hand out and like high-five a yeah, player as and, well and he's just left hanging, which is brilliant yeah. to see. There, there's, um, an old, there's an old meme of Steve McLaren uh, when he was a Newcastle manager when he's like trying to wave some of the players to come over and hug him and no one is paying attention. I, I did feel a bit of pity for him but that sort of went away and I realised sort of what the manager is. This is a manager who thought that the earthquake that hit New Zealand was was not bad, but the the bigger earthquake was Spanish football, which he said in a in a post match press conference, which quite frankly I wasn't that impressed with. Um, but as you were saying, Matt, sorry. Yeah, no, it just goes to show you really that if Spain do go and win it, they'll do it in spite. But the problem is if they do go and win it, then it kind of gives them a reason to say, oh, you've won it without these 15 players mm. that are supposed to be world-class. Um, it, it just feels like it's almost like a catch-22. There's not, no right answer. Mm. Um, just from personal opinion, I don't think Spain will win their semi-final, um, mainly because the opposition that they face which we'll get to it, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> just on the experience alone, yeah. this is Spain's first ever semi-final. Mm. Correct me if I am wrong, ladies yep. and gentlemen, in yep. the comments. Uh, um, oh, that's right. They, no, they got to a semi-final in their first tournament, but it was like a group stage straight into semi-final. So it didn't really... Yeah, it's the first ever... It's the second ever knockout win, put it that way. They're, they're in, they are in new territory here. It, it just goes to show, really, doesn't it, that it's... It, you just need to have... A, a manager that you have a lot of faith with. The Netherlands had that in Yonker. Mm. We've got it with England. Yeah. It just goes to show really that if you don't have a manager on your size, can you still win a World Cup? And that is the main question, if I'm honest. I, I, well, I'll come to my opinion in a minute. Lottie, I'm going to quickly uh, jump in with you. So you've seen a lot of um, Spain. Um, do you think they can... Uh win their first World Cup at the first time of asking first yeah can they get can they get through the semi-final hit the final and win it again this is the situation I was talking about with Japan um no who did they play last Uh, Switzerland um although Amanda's getting the goals she went quiet for a game and I didn't I wasn't really confident in the front girls I know you've got the likes of Stina up there and Fredolina Rolfo and their goals are coming from everywhere but 
they're not as fast. It takes them the time to settle down in the game. And that's what concerns me. And Spain will play that on full advantage. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, though, this whole tournament, the teenagers have lit up the field. And I think their weapon that's going to undo Sweden mm. is going to be, um, is it Selma? Selma? Selma Parallelo? Yeah, the one who scored the winner, the late winner in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah she, she, she's I the mean, young we talent saw everyone's how talking good about. She was again, uh, against Roma. That's when I first saw her in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, she had an absolute wonder strike. I think she scored the only goal in that game. Uh, the amount of shots Roma yeah. had in the game, they should have yeah. won it. But we sort of saw her as an emerging talent, and she's 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 been very good through this World Cup. Um, so I think she's going to be the key to Sweden's undoing if they're not careful. Yeah, just to say, spoiler alert, uh, we will come on to the Sweden-Japan game uh, next. My feeling is if Spain do win, Spain have some of the, have, have got the probably the most talented team uh, in the World the, the, in the World Cup. They're, well, certainly the team that's left. I just feel that they win. And they're it's, not full it's, strength. No, I'm not full strength. And this is the maddening thing. It's a team that is has sort of been, it's been limited by their own management, by the fallout which you imagine the players. And it's a, it's a question of... It almost becomes a question of morality rather than of talent. I just think it wouldn't be morally right if Spain won because it would it would give further justification to Jordan Wilder um, and his um, managerial style and the practices of the manager of Spanish FA and the fact that you can leave out so many world-class players to work out. I don't know. It just feels wrong. But football doesn't work like that. It's a result business. It doesn't lead into sentimentality and fairy tales as you know England fans, we found out. But they are very talented and we will pick apart the team i wonder who it was um who they will play in the next round right after this break and welcome back what a lovely break that was uh next game on our hit list is japan versus sweden um but before we do that just wanted to get a quick uh, sense check from Matt and Lottie on where you think the Netherlands will go next. A um, lot of talent in that team. Obviously, Victoria Palova and Vivian Miedemar. We both love Arsenal Gunners and we have plenty of Dutch fans who do join in. Obviously, quarterfinals, bit of a disappointment, but I think we can say they had a pretty good World Cup with a good few scalps. Do you think this team can, at the next Euros or World Cup, maybe go one step further? And are you impressed with some of the young talent coming through? Lottie, I'll come to you first. Absolutely. I mean, Vivian Miedemar will be full, fully back up and running by then. Mm. Um, I know one player doesn't make a team, but they missed her so badly. Mm. Um, and I tried to kind of look at where I've watched them and how I tried to look at them. Okay, this is a team without Vivian Miedemar. This is mm. what they're going to look like. This is what's going to happen. And they actually did really surprise me, especially in the form of Jill Rod. Not her yeah. greatest fan, but she did get a couple of good goals. But I still think they're missing that sort of that that role that Viv plays. They haven't got anyone to fill that space yet. It could come in the form of Victoria Pullover, but it depends on her experience in the next four years. Do you think if Viv was fit, the Netherlands would have gone further? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially, but it depends on her form. It would have been all dependent on form for this season but I yeah. can't tell you that because we lost her sadly that is did. The, sadly is the case um lastly Matt I was going to quick come to you obviously Jill Raw top scorer for the Dutch in this World Cup 
how excited should WSL fans be to see her turn up for Man City next season? Well, this depends on which Man City are we going to see. Are we going to see the Man City that decides to crumble and fall uh, at the most crucial moments? Or is this going to be the Man City that turn around and say, look, they need to change over? Gareth Taylor's got one year left on his contract. Well, renewed his contract for mm. another year. Um, there are key players that are going to be out of contract uh, for those that are still wondering. Ali Roebuck still has not signed for Man City yeah. um, on an extension. At the, so there's players that are quite key to City um, that will be in their last year. I'm pretty sure Alex Greenwood is also one of them. Um, but when it comes to Jill Rhodes and Man City, I I, I don't know where she's going to play, if I'm honest. Mm. Is she gonna? Because I don't, I don't think she goes through that of the front three. I think she's gonna end up being that attacking midfielder for them. Mm. It'll be interesting to see where she does slot in because we know Gareth Taylor sticks very much to his fixed front three. Sure, Hemp Kelly, um, Hasagaw in the midfield. Maybe we'll see her in an act in a double pivot. But um, yeah, for, for someone you know, I haven't been a big fan of Jill Ward. Wasn't a fan of her at Arsenal. Didn't think she's shone. But I think we can all agree. Getting four goals at a World Cup um, is no mean feat. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how she's at Man City next season, which she can carry that form over. Um, one to keep an eye on for next season, but we are talking about the World Cup. We shall move on to the World Cup and on to Japan versus Sweden. Um, Sweden, very much the efficient tournament progressors that they are. Another World Cup to the quarterfinals, beating the favourites and reigning champions the USA into one of the uh, best dramatic penalty shooters at the World Cup which I'm sure will not be beaten anytime soon uh, although we'll see wink um, <laughs> Japan have played I think we can all agree the best football at the World Cup so far amazing amazing beautiful attacking football destroyed Spain in the group stage of 4-0 in fact we were talking about Spain earlier the notion that a team that got battered 4-0 in the group stage could genuinely win the World Cup that still frazzles my brain slightly but that's how tournament football works um, so we had Japan brilliant football, attacking football, beautiful football Sweden um, rigid uh, defensively strong, I think they'd only conceded uh, one goal at the World Cup so far and that was against South Africa in the opening game, in fact they conceded first and then he came back into it very strong with set pieces Sort of a, a clash of styles, sort of of of, of resilience versus um, attacking talent. Lottie, you're fortunate enough to watch the game all the way through. Um, which, how did it go for you? Do you know what? I was really disappointed. I've been enjoying watching Japan. Mm. I was just really bitterly disappointed because I didn't turn up till the second half and half an hour to go. Mm. And it was like, what the hell is going on here? Like. I understand the Swedish girls are a lot taller than the Japan girls. You could see that massively. I never noticed it before, but that shouldn't be like an intimidation factor because they were all really good at playing the game. Um, Sweden were just completely on them from the start and they just did what suffocating and they weren't giving them the space they wanted. And it was, it was, I think it got to the point where they were frustrated, but I just don't know why it took them an hour to get into gear. Mm. so to speak. I don't think they had a shot in the first half on goal at all. Um, I must confess, I wasn't able to watch this film. I was listening on my uh, drive home from work and it sounded like a terrific game. And I think 
a bit of a surprise as well. I think I'm the, the first goal I missed. I think I got into the car and was on my way and I tuned the radio on and I think I just missed the first goal. Scored by Arsenal defender, soon to be star striker Amanda Illustead. That is four goals. That's right, four goals at the World Cup. Um, scrambling in from a set piece that Japan failed to clear properly. Um, Matt, you were able to watch this game as well. Um, Japan underperform or did Sweden simply outgame them? I, th- I don't think it's that. I think it's just a bit of both, if I'm honest. Both, uh, both teams... Um, I think there was a little bit of luck on Sweden's end because Japan failed to clear it four or five times. Mm. Basically, it was a pandemonium in the box. The ball was just um, just swinging about, and eventually the ball just... I I don't think it's Steena that tries to shoot, but essentially that final ball just... Amanda just <laughs> uh, just sort of creeps in at the back post and goes, oh, the ball's there, I can both get home. Smash it home. <laughs> and away she does. Uh, I'm, I think a lot of Arsenal fans are sort of sitting up going, right, OK, we've got a player now. Um, <laughs> I, do have, I do have a few questions about what's going to happen next season with Amanda um, tactically, but I think we'll talk about that l- later down the line. Yeah. Um, uh, from World Cup point of view, when you've got a centre back that is free scoring like that, it's it's kind of scary. It's another weapon at your disposal. No, I know I didn't use Arsenal that time. <laughs> <laughs> Lottie is livid, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so disappointed. It's it's interesting you mentioned Steena. She did have a very good chance to score just before then. Um, out muscle the uh, Japanese defender and 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 sadly skewed the shot wide. Only one goal. Uh, for Stina at this tournament so far, um, and I, I do. And that was against Italy in a five-nil battering against the Italy team that, you know, as we've seen, aren't that great. It's been a disappointing tournament for her so far. We, we spoke about Ruth obviously in the, England, in the England pod, and she's only got two goals. Stina's only one behind. But have we seen enough from Stina at this World Cup so far? Yes and no. From the from the work rate and what she does on and off the ball, she's been brilliant, and she mm. carries that on um, when she's with Arsenal. It's just sometimes it doesn't work in your favour if you're trying to press out wide, for example, and then all of a sudden you win the ball back. No one's in the back, the uh, centre to put the ball into. Um, I'd like to just to bring up the Wolfsburg game when Lotta crosses the ball into Jem Beattie and Jem Beattie scores mm. and uh, Lottie's favourite moment that happens um, <laughs> afterwards and she waves and uh, oh, dances <laughs> um, but yeah it's just one of those things that I think she'll be disappointed that she hasn't got a few more goals mm. um, I think she'll be hoping to she's got at very least two more games to make sure that she gets some more goals wouldn't do the the worst thing in the world to score a few if to come the end of the tournament. If she doesn't, I think she'll be a bit disappointed that she's only come away with one. Mm. Can I just say how wrong it is that Stina Blackstein is, is sporting the number 11 for Sweden? Um, she should be sporting the number 25, and, and maybe that's the, the source of power. Once she gets the Arsenal shirt back on with the proper number on the back, I think she'll be absolutely fine. Um, but um, Sweden, they, they, they didn't sit on the one-goal lead. They pushed on. They got the second was given a bit of assistance by VAR, Lottie. Right call? Was it a handball? Absolutely not. There was absolutely <laughs> no intention in there. Um, 
that is one of the biggest questionable calls of the tournament for me. I looked at it and I thought, no, where else is she supposed to put her arm? She hasn't put her arm to it. It was the ball to, ball to where it landed and hit her arm. And I think I think that was the main confidence knock for Japan. For me, Like I understand why it was given, but I also feel like it was extremely soft. So, and given away, if that makes sense. I know I could, I do completely disagree with it, but I understand why it was given. Um, my, yeah. My feeling with these handball decisions, and we're going to disagree on this, is there's an element of, yes, I'm, not all handballs are like Paul Skulls batting one in against Ennis Petersburg. Little Maradona deliberate. Extremely soft. But the problem is, is when you're not intentionally handing the ball, but you're handling of the ball does affect the game in this instance it mm-hmm. bounced off a hand and stopped a, uh, a Swedish player getting I, to it as I said I understand why it was given yeah. I just thought it was soft I get that I remember there was a incident I think it was when we played Reading in the FA Cup semi-final mm-hmm. Nabushi was uh, jostling on the wing and he had he was arms out because you know, defenders do the stupid thing where they put their arms behind their back but he had his arms out and the ball was played up, hit his arm, and it stopped the cross coming in penalty wasn't given I'll look at that and I think that's clear handball not saying he was trying to handball but sometimes a ball to hand can have an impact. I the saw the replay. It is my thoughts in the moment. I haven't actually watched her back at all since, just so you're aware. Yeah, that fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I saw the highlights. And so, you know. It's it's harsh because her, her arm is reasonably oh. close. But it, it is okay. a, it, it has struck her hand and it is and it is a clean contact on the arm. Um, penalty dispatched by Angadal. 2 nil. Um, I think Sweden hit the post as well through um, um, Ilistead, not Ilistead. Um, I think it was for Aslani. Sweden on top. And I think Japan managed to finally wrestle a bit of control back into the game. Um, they started to get their passing going. It, as Lottie said, it, it took them 60 minutes to turn up. And I think that's the real travesty. We didn't see enough of the real Japan. But 76 minutes in, they are given the chance to take control to get a chance and score um matt I, I i asked lottie the question earlier on var for this one uh was this a penalty again this one seems soft should var ever turned it or was it the right decision to stay with it i think just from a neutral's point of view when you look at it you kind of wanted japan to score one at the very least to make yeah. it a little bit more interesting as lottie said the game was sort of going away from them and they just didn't really turn up and because they didn't turn up they caused a little bit of issues themselves um but for that it's a, it's a 50 50 50 50 50 <laughs> i apologize to everyone listening that was uh really bad i don't know where that accent even comes came 50, from. 50 50 50 so it was a 50 50 challenge it was a it was a it was a coming together as they say yeah, in the football it's, it's, either it's given or it's not it's yeah. not like one of those where you could argue either way and yeah. you could probably argue that one until the cows come home um my problem with my problem with, my problem with that is is that's given and then there are decisions like the Lilith bernstein t- clash that happened in the in the spain evans game and then and mm-hmm. the rachel daly one in nigeria and this is what i sort of referring to with lottie is that those are 50 50 clashes which i feel should be umpire's call as they say in cricket is is right you there's definite contact so stick with decision if you know if there's no contact in the died over for me there's even less contact in this decision and the fact that VAR has intervened at all and that's the frustrating inconsistency and and knockout football these fine margins are everything Japan get lucky I would say in this one but you know they've upped their tempo they've played it better um Lottie were you confident that uh Yuki was going to score it 
Do you know what? It wasn't a penalty for me. (laughs) No, it wasn't. She fell over her own feet. So it's like karma kind of bitter in her backside. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't. I'm glad she didn't. I'm kind of glad she didn't score it because she didn't deserve it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I just. It's another question that we'll call by VAR. And this is the the most question marks I've had over VAR over the tournament in this game. Yeah. Like, it's just like, hang on a minute, you tripped over your own feet. Like, we, we, we have been quite complimentary of our um, throughout the absolutely. tournament. Absolutely. It's been very I've good. I've actually really enjoyed it. And in the fact that they announced their reasons mm. rather than waiting for the, commenta- like, the commentators to speculate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually quite enjoy that because it's clear and it's concise. Like, it's um, like, like a sentence, but it doesn't make a difference. And we get to hear the ref, um, who have some some voices that I don't think we expect to hear when they uh, speak. I know, absolutely. Do you know yeah, what? It's like, if you ever looked at some of our referees, like, I wonder what their voice sounds sound like. like, like it's, yeah. not, it's not what you expect. Exactly. Um, with a high pitch, you don't expect it. Yeah, exactly. it's so funny. I think it was, um, I think it was, I think, well, so social media ended up ripping, I think it was one of the Asian referees. In one of the New Zealand games, and Herb, I didn't expect that sort of Kiwi accent to roll on her tongue. I was like, huh? Oh yeah. Like, I was expecting a bit more high pitch, but it's 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 really strange not to hear what you expect to hear. It is. It is. It is. Um, UK sadly, her penalty crashed off the crossbar. Um, went for the rebound, and there is a. A little, and immediately you can see the free kick because there's a little no, unknown rule with penalty takers that if um, because you actually become offside if you play if you take a penalty keepers and touch it comes off back of the wheel back to you and you tap it in that's actually infringement you can't actually do that um, which is a little no, keepers got to touch it, it exactly uh, I, remember, I think it was Mitrovic of Fulham at Newcastle scored a goal doing that and was off celebrating and they couldn't understand why being talked off and it's one of those little novelties and in this instance the um, headed it wide in, in this case I'm sure there so was an matter. incident in this World Cup as well was that oh, I can't remember yeah I think so it was a penalty taken and they had to check if the keeper touched it before the person scored the goal can't remember which what game it was yeah. I'm sure I, sh- I should say an interesting thing of this World Cup is how many penalties um, have been missed there's been it's not that penalties don't necessarily equate to goals. I mean, we had one missed and we had to retake it. Um, and it's Stanway. And if we that, count, that was that was because the keeper jumped off our line. Yes, we got lucky. We got lucky. Interesting, Stanway has technically taken three penalties and missed um, two. <laughs> this world cut so far, including out of eight, she's missed one, so I'm yeah. not complaining. Um, we are going to talk more about missed penalties because there were quite a few in another game, which we'll get to in a bit. But Japan kept the pressure on. And we saw an incredible moment, a free kick. Um, Musevic, we've said, has probably been one of the best keepers of this World Cup so far. I think we can agree. Had an amazing game against USA. But Matt, this moment, I think we all thought the ball was going in the net when it canned off the crossbar, cannoned off Musevic, and then just, um, to, to reuse your own word, pandemonium. <laughs> Were you as flabbergasted as everyone else when the ball hadn't crossed the line? You know what? It's so funny. I know we all game and things like that, but it's things like that that happen in FIFA where things like that will happen yeah. and then the ball just slowly trickles across the line. Mm. I mean, I found it quite funny when um, it happens in the men's game when Jorginho scored that goal against Villa <laughs> and it bounces straight off his head and back into yeah. the back of the net. Well, I was just loving it. About. Yeah. It's, it's things like that, but the fact of the... Uh, 
of it. She somehow managed to hit her back and then she still managed to pick it up and carry it. It does feel like Musevich has been the... I don't really want to call her carrying the team, but it does feel that way because I'm pretty sure this is another Player of the Match award that she's collected at this World Cup. Uh, no, no. Uh, someone called Amanda Illistead, I believe, picked up that award yet again, uh, and rightly so. Um, but she's certainly been one of the best keepers of a tournament. And yeah, it, I think we had um, uh, on the radio we had uh, I think it's Karen Bardsley on Cocoms who was um, who could speak for quite <laughs> um, speak for a long quite a while about. Um, uh, Musevich is a predicament in that situation and what can easily happen. I mean, we mentioned Georgina Martinez. That was an incredible moment at Villa Park and it did feel like something similar was happening. As it turns out, it was irrelevant because Japan did finally score. Hayashi, um, great bit of work. Uh, I think it was with Endo on the wing, got the cross in. Um, the Sweden defence finally failed, um, didn't get the ball and it's a fantastic finish. Oh, I should just smash it past Musevich, who's completely She's completely in no player's land. And yeah, buries it 2-1. Lottie at this point, are you thinking Japan are going to pull it out of the bag? Are they, they're going to do it? I really, I had a little bit of hope for them, I'll be honest with you. I just, it's, it's always the hope that kills you. And yeah. I think that was the heartbreaking thing for Japan because what we've done on this, I know I've particularly done it, praise them for their balance and their youth and their experience mm. and the way that uh, Saki Kurnagaya has led this team and what could be her potential last World Cup. I have a feeling it is, but there hasn't been an official announcement as far as I know. But it's it's a little bit disappointing, but they could bring something to the Olympics. They could bring something to the next World Cup because the foundations were laid um, from what you've told us from 2019 mm. or was it the Olympics before that I can't well, they, remember well they were they went full youth in 2019 because they were aiming for the Olympics and that sort of they, they, yeah they, okay they so it was the World Cup and then the, the Tokyo 2020 uh, sorry I just the, didn't think the, about tw- that the Olympic yeah unfortunately the Olympics was a bit of a, uh, a flop for them uh, tournament wise I think this time around we've all been surprised by Japan pleasantly surprised shall we say by Japan oh, absolutely I've really enjoyed yeah. it mm-hmm. um but there's something they're going to build on. If they keep building the way they are and they keep the manager they've got in place, I think they, they could do well in the next European tournament. Well, European World Tournament. World Cup, World Tournament, European yeah. Or, or, or at the Asian Cup. At the Asian yeah. Cup. A lot um, of these players are also still playing in the Japan League. So I have a feeling that we might see a few of them come over into Europe a little bit more now. Um whether if it depends what's going to happen as well, but I have a feeling that we're going to see some more uh, Japan players in Europe in the next couple of years. Whether or not they're playing Champions League football mm. is another question. I know that in after 2011, um, when Japan won the World Cup, um, there was a bit of an influx of Japanese players into the league. I know Arsenal snapped up one or two. I'm not saying they were. I don't think they were very successful um, at Arsenal, but I know it did um, drive a bit of recruitment on the Japan side. I've really enjoyed watching Japan, but I've always felt that if they came up against a team that could um, neutralise their primary method of playing, and was, which I think uh, Sweden did with their defensive shape, but the way they were, you know, um, and not allowing Japan to to play in the manner they did, um, I think Japan never had what they say a plan B. And I, I, they, they, by the time they were able to to sort of figure it out and get going again, it was too late. They were tuning up. 
they could have scored their penalty. They could have maybe got it to two all. I think they'll see this as a missed opportunity. Um, considering that the USA are out, it's very much an open playing field. And I think you know, look, looking how the, the 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 lines have all been drawn, they would have, if they'd won, they would have played Spain. They know how to play Spain. Um, although obviously no two game are games are alike. And then, yeah, I think they would have given anybody a game in the final. It is a real shame, but I'm really excited for Japan. I'm really excited to see if they can, as you say, Matt, build upon this. There's a lot of uh, younger players in the, in that team, young players, exciting players. They're only going to get be better in four years' time. I think a lot of us un, um, overestimated Social Japan in, in the last World Cup in 2019. I think we underestimated them this time around. I think the pressure is going to be back on them next time. And I think people are going to have very high expectations for them, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, before we wrap up, on this, um, Hinata Miyazawa is currently leading the Golden Boot Charge with five goals. Um, the only teams left in cont- uh, players left in contention who can overtake her are the likes of uh, Bon Martin and Hermoso with uh, and uh, Redondo with three goals, all with Spain, and a certain Amanda Illestead of Sweden with four. Miyazawa on five. Is she going to hang on to that golden boot or do you see Spain or Sweden potentially overtaking her? Matt? I'm going to say no at this moment. You think you think she's going to lose her title? Oh, no, she's going to she's going to carry uh, hold on to it. You, you, you think Mizar golden boot? Lottie, Mizar uh, golden boot? Yes or no? I have no clue. There's two games and there's still 40. Well, we've got the final or semi-finals. Yeah. You've got four teams in this. It can go any way. We're getting a brand new champion that we've never seen before. Yes, we are. So I'm going to say yes. I backed her, but I'm saying yes, she's going to lose it. Although she does hold a joint record with her, with her country now for the goals yeah. in the most goals scored in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's joint. I read some. I think it's joint, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, yeah thank you. Sour, for the yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's got that record, which is it's it means her name's down in history. She's yeah. not going to be forgotten. But she's going to lose that golden boot. If she had six, I'd be sitting there, mm, yeah, maybe, but no. Because so, she was kept so quiet in that Sweden game, it was just virtually impossible. So we, we know that Sweden and Spain will face off each other for the first semi final. Uh, before we move to the break, just looking briefly forward, um, Sweden or Spain, which way are you going to, are you falling on? Lottie, are we going to see us? Spain first final or Sweden returning to do it properly this time? I want the Swedes to come home for qualifying, but I want them to do well. Well, the problem oh is, is that the problem God. is that they're either going to, they're playing all the way to either Saturday or Sunday, so it's it's we 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 can't get them home any earlier now. They're they're in it for the long haul. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, they're playing midweek, so technically we could. I'd have a month off. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, I'm going to back Sweden. Sweden, Sweden to beat Spain. So Sweden in the final. Matt, which way are you going to go on this one? Are you going to back the, the Swedes or Spain and yeah. their talents, as they say? Are they going to do it again? This Sweden side will have learned a lot of lessons from the Euros and the Olympics. Uh, they want to do it again. I'm yeah. sure they want to try and say to the world, this is Sweden. This is the origins of women's football for them. Um so I think Sweden's going to definitely do it. I don't think Spain are going to have that opportunities that they had. It's almost going to, I have a feeling it's going to feel like the Japan game. Um, well, Sweden, they are a bit like England. 
always in the semi-final. They were in the last World Cup, as we know. They were in the Euros. Um, I remember that because I was there and we beat them. Um, so, yeah, semi-finals for them again. <sighs> because they get to semi-finals, but they never win them. <laughs> Much like England at the World Cup. Um, apart from, I think, it was, I think it was 2000, I want to say 2003, I think it was, when they got to the final against Germany. I think lost on the golden goal. I don't know. I think Sweden are so experienced. And they've, they've done... It's the old adage of oh they've they've got this far and they haven't played well but they've been they're so defensively strong you know just Japan goals only the second goal they've conceded um, very strong set pieces and you think a team like Spain who are going to dominate the ball set pieces are where I think they could be got at that seems to be the, the logical uh, focus of attack oh, I don't know I want Sweden to get to the final and maybe that's overruling my 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 head. But I think, yeah, I want Sweden to get through. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Just one more game to talk about. That's Japan versus Sweden. And we will uh, pick apart... Um, so not Japan versus Sweden, sorry. Australia versus France. So got Japan, Sweden on the brain. We've got Australia and France to pick apart and um, a lot to pick apart there. But we'll do that right after this break. And welcome back to part three. Now, as you may know from our previous pod, England beat Colombia to get to the semi-finals. But who would they face? It was going to be one of either Australia or France. And um, well, no, ooh, who could it have been? Who could it have been? Well, considering that the game was played beforehand, we actually already knew. Um, France, talented team. Got furthest ever got before was the uh, semi-finals in 2011. New coach, new direction. Very exciting at this World Cup. Australia, host nation, um, struggled a bit at first, but warmed up as the tournaments progress and real momentum behind them now. Sam Kerr getting back into fitness, came off the bench for this one. I was very excited for this game. I thought this is the two, these are the two titans, other titans in our side of the draw. If we're going to get to the final, we're going to have to, which, you know, semi-final rather, we're going to have to play one of these teams to get to the final. And um, so I thought this was two loggerheads crashing together and of course when that happens is obviously going to be an inner draw which it was um there, some interesting things uh popped up in this game i was going to come to you matt um firstly mary fowler she should have scored shouldn't she yes uh, <laughs> for the record there was a, a, a bit of a mix-up in the defense and the goal and the goalkeeper the ball came loose to mary fowler in the box or pretty much on the penalty spot she just has to tap it into an empty net and one of the French defenders, out of nowhere, slides across and makes an unbelievable goal line clearance. It's incredible, but Fowler should have scored, shouldn't she? There's uh, so many options she could have done. She could have just smashed it. She could have smashed it. She could have put it across because of the goal, the uh, French defender. I apologise, I've forgotten the name. She can just she's running in the in the direction just to put her, her thigh on it. Um, but I th- maybe it was a bit on nerves, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, Mary Fowler should have done better. Mm. Mary Fowler, one of the um, stars of the Man City side under Gareth Taylor that never plays. Um, but I think she had a really good World Cup. And I think she, um, I, I wish she had scored because I think she would have deserved it. Um, meanwhile, for France, took the game to extra time. Lots of, lots of chances both ways. It was it was not a boring nil-nil. It was edge of a seat nil-nil. And someone who was praying for a nil-nil, I really think someone was going to score eventually, but did go to extra time. France had a goal ruled out 
Um, it was an Alana Kennedy own goal. It came from a corner. Um, but there's more to it than that. Um, Matt, I'm going to come to you. Just quickly pick apart what happened um, in that in that whole phase of play. Well, it's two phases, really, if mm. you think about it. Because, first of all, uh, France go uh, right towards the edge of the box. They're driving through through the ball's gone out but the ball's been crossed crossed in Australia clear it goes for a corner the corner comes in Wendy Renard as she does as she has done it in Euros and many tournaments of past she goes up heads it and Alana Kennedy just unfortunately just sort of gets a touch on it and it mm. goes in the referee then as they all, ha- all do because of VAR they got they go right VAR check and they've called it uh, the VARs turned around and said, no, we're not going to give the goal yeah. because it, there was a push in there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it was... It's it, a yeah, judgy one. It was, very, it was a very strange one. It happened. What surprised was how quickly it happened. Um, the corner was never a corner. The ball had clearly gone out of play. I was mystified that it was given as a corner. As someone who was flying the flag for, for France for this one, because the idea of playing a host nation in a semi-final is absolutely terrifying. Um, it was I had sort of mixed feelings on this one. It was a it was a dreadful decision to get the corner, and I think had the goal been allowed to stand, um, Australia would have some real genuine grievance, real sense of injustice. We're talking sort of hand of God, nineteen eighty six sort of like refereeing cock ups here. Uh, Alana Alana Candy, most relieved player in Australia. The look of horror in her face when she thinks she's what she's done. Replay showed that actually behind her, Renard has has, has shoved Caitlin Ford. He's then gone into Alana, and Alana has unwittingly knocked the ball into her own net. Just, you know, calamities all round. Um, it did go to a penalty shootout, and this was a penalty shootout loaded with narratives. And um, coach Herve Renard, who I think has done great things with the French team, Renard, I think he's going to pronounce it Herve Renard, great things with this French team after Jack got um, sacked, really helped build up again, I think. But I think here he makes the classic... Um, Football managing blunder, which is penalty substitutions. I hate penalty substitutions. Making some penalties, I cannot stand um, because it always blows up in your face. I can I can only think of one time when it's maybe worked, uh, maybe two, but most of the time the players that we bring on, they miss. Um, we saw it in in the USA game. Um, with, I think it was um, was it, was it O'Hara? Was it O'Hara? I can never remember which one it was, but the the crucial one that hit the post. Um, she was brought on for a penalty. We saw at the men's Euros when the likes of um, uh, Rashford and Sancho were brought on and they missed penalties in the final. So when he decides to sub uh, Paul Imperio McGinn and bring on uh, Solon Duran and he withdraws uh, Elisa uh, Delmeida and brings on Eve Perisay, a medium looking at those. Um, Duran's the goalkeeper, so I'm thinking she's going to mess up some saves. And look at Perisay and I'm thinking, right, you're going to miss a penalty. You just know it's going to happen. I also thought Sam Kerr was going to miss the crucial penalty. I said that in the group chat because I thought the narratives were just loaded for the player who's hardly played at the tournament. It's in the post to go and she's going to mess it up. I don't but, mean to be funny, but it's Sam Kerr at our I, home tournament. I know, I know. And that's why I thought that it was the anti-narrative. Um, the anti narrative and The tragic fall of the, you know, the, the smirk that comes, you know, she's been in the, the post-goal tournament. She's never played. She finally plays. and But I don't think any of us any of us could have predicted what happened next. And I said that Sweden USA was the most bonkers, greatest shootout of the tournament so far. This was very much a case of hold my beer. 
we went to how many? Sorry, you mentioned a little. How many kicks did we go to on this one, Lottie? It was a, I believe it was a record. Twenty. We went to twenty kicks. A world ten world, each. Ten each. A World Cup record for the. I think it's the women's. I don't know if it's men and women's or just women's. It's it's it was came. Um, I saw the stat on the FIFA Women's World Cup page. So, so just say assuming up assuming women's for now. It was an unbelievable shootout, and to go through it, we're going to go quickly go through player by player. So up first was Baka. Hit or miss? Sorry, who? Uh, Selma Bakker, first up for France. Hit or miss? Oh, that was that went in. Yeah, go. No, it was a miss. She missed. First penalty. She looked up, look of terror on her face, and it was uh, <laughs> it was very it was ten penalty. You can when you look into an eyes of a player when they step up, you can usually have an inkling if they're going to miss or not. And I had no confidence in her, which is a shame because she's had a great World Cup. So France missed the first penalty. Ford steps up for Australia. Hit or miss? Go. She's red. She's white. She absolutely, white. absolutely buries it. France on the board. Diani, hit or miss? Hit. Hit. Go. Go. Absolutely right. She buries it. France on the board. Steph Catley, reliable Score two already. You're She's forget. still wonderful though. Yeah, She's still absolutely. wonderful. Um, bit of a debate a bit on that. For Steph Catley, two penalties scored already in this World Cup, but missed this one. We've been saying she should be replacing uh, Katie McKay as the uh, sub penalty taker. Still hold that. Uh, oh yeah. Despite this, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't as bad as Meadow Park. No. So. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Katie. We love you, really. <laughs> captain Wendy Renard steps up. Experienced captain for France. Hit or miss? Did she score or did she miss? That was a hit. I think she missed it. No, it was a goal. Uh, Renard scored to put France back ahead. Sam Kerr steps up. Hit. Yeah, yeah she buried she it. Actually, she was a bit lucky. The the keeper. It, was, it wasn't the greatest penalty. The keeper shuffled her foot the wrong way, dived, nearly got her arm to it, but it went in. Yeah. Uh, it basically Mare, went through her arms. It did. She hit it. Moore scored. Enough power. Lissamer, you're going Lissamer hit, Lottie? I did say hit. Yeah, Lissamer scored. Mary Fowler? Goal. She did score. Yeah. Uh, and now we get to, I think it was, this is the uh, sudden death moment. So three, three, out, three out of four scored each. Last oh, this five is penalties. Gets this I is and this eyes. and this was when the the penalty shootout went mental. So, Eve Perisay off the bench, uh, brought on by Renard, specifically take a penalty, hit or miss? Miss. Miss Lottie. It was a miss. It was a. I think it was um, saved. I think it was in the end. It was even saved to hit the post. But it was a. Um, it was her penalty that was uh, not scored. Australia have the moment in front of their home fans to score the winning penalty to take them through to the first ever World Cup semi-final. And who steps up to take it but Mackenzie Arnold, the goalkeeper. That and was also, a massive miss. That was, <laughs> and that, yes, and that was a massive but miss. But do you know what I was really worried about? Yeah. I thought that would have got in her head. I had a feeling that would. Thing. Yeah. Well, this, I thought the moment... My question is, why can't she play like this for West Ham? <laughs> 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 Very annoyingly, she there. Yeah. For the, um, Arnold steps up, sends the keeper the wrong way. It cannons off the post. Firstly, I'm thinking, why on earth is the goalkeeper taking a penalty at this point in the comp- at this point in the thing? We, we're not even at the tenth position in the in in the running. There are plenty of players who could take a penalty. At least Naya play- did. Well, she had a good go at it. She had a good go of it, but the problem is, I just think it's a, it is a massive gamble, and it was such because it was the decisive Thanks, penalty. Yeah, it works. Put it that way. Yeah. If it works, it works. It did not work on this one. And I thought for that moment, when, when that moment blundered, I thought the momentum was all with France. I thought the moment Austria chucked that moment, I'm thinking, 
John Terry Champions League 2008. I'm thinking you had the winning kick, you've blown it, and it's going to swing the other way. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, so, uh, Gory for Australia. Goal. Goal. Again, goal. Yeah, yeah was a goal. Uh, Gayaru. Goal. It was Missed. a goal. Uh, no, Gayaru did score. Um, <laughs> so then, oh, uh, so I've gone the wrong way around. Uh, Karachawi. Miss. No, Karachawi scored. Yallop. <laughs> Goal. Yep, they have to score. Uh, Lacra. Oh, I think she missed. That was a miss. Nope, Lacra scored. Carpenter. Scored. Yeah, Carpenter did score. There's quite a few interesting close moments. Um, in the, I do recall one um, that uh, Duran had where she went the right way, got two hands to it, and it went through her hands. It was pretty much a save that would have... If she saved it, France would have gone through. And it was those half moments. It really worked against her. So up steps up Kenza Darley. She's had a brilliant World Cup for France. Takes her penalty. What happened next? Missed. Yes. It was saved. It was saved. But the keeper was off her line. (laughs) And so the penalty was retaken. So after the retake, miss or or hit? Missed. Missed. It was a miss. She went the same yeah. way, and the keeper actually got the uh, save right. When you watch the replay back, the Arnold is, is. I think I think that that one was really interesting because mm. obviously Mackenzie Arnold knows knows Kenza, and I think that got into Kenza's head after from that our, from, from our WSL playing with each other. I think it's a fair shout. I mean, she was well off a line when making the save, yeah. but I always think it's been interesting. Is when you take a penalty and you have to retake it, it's do you. Do you change? Do you stick? I mean, we saw with Georgia Stanway, I think when she had a penalty against Haiti, she just did the same thing again and got it right. You know, I think the keeper went the opposite way. Um, this time, uh, Arnold read it. So this time, <laughs> all Hunt has to do is do not do what Arnold did and actually score. It's a winning kick for Australia. She steps up and does she score? Yes. Yes, Lottie? No, she. It was saved by um, <laughs> by Durand, and that was. And we went round again. So Becco steps up. We're now at the bottom of the penalty shootout decision makers. I don't think Becco imagined yeah, she, Becco imagined she was yeah, going to score. She did. She she, rocked, she hit it against the post. I think she hit the keeper wrong way. Cannons off the post. So it all falls on. We talked about penalty subs. Temeka. So it fell on Courtney Vine, brought on in extra time, 104th minute, to send Australia to the World Cup semi-finals. Did she do it? Yes. Yes. Yes, she did. It was a. Of course, she did. Otherwise, we wouldn't be saying we're saying that. Come on. Eventually, she was the one that got it at the end. Three. It took three attempts, which I think is just bonkers. It took, and I mean, England. I mean, imagine being an England fan and having blowing three winning, two winning attempts. Um, but they got over the line, Australia. And France go home. A good World Cup from them, some really good results. But again, it's an element of, of, of disappointment and underperformance. But this Australian, the momentum, it, it's carrying them forward. They had that fumble early in the group stage in Nigeria. Didn't play well against Ireland, but they are starting to build up momentum. And you know, it's, it's building at home with the fans. And it's Australia versus England in the semi-finals. And I am bricking it. I don't know about you, but just the narratives. This is a team that... Beat Team GB at the Olympics. They they're the only team to beat Serena Vigman, beat him in that friendly. And since that friendly, we've lost the likes of Leah Williamson. But I think you need to remember this is competitive football, different ball game. So technically, they haven't beaten us at all. Technically. Well, technically Although I know a few Australian fans are all arguing. Yeah. Well This the, is competitive football. The shoe is on the other foot now. Friendlies are friendlies. 
don't count very much. And we know I, this. I have seen some newspaper cuttings of people talking about this being the true decider for the Ashes after we, finish, after we finish two all. We're going to decide it on a football match in England, Australia. Absolutely. Um, and as, as Matt has mentioned on the on the previous pod, it's also where we won the World Cup in 2003 um, for the Men's Rugby Union. It's same stadium too. So same stadium. If that, if that puts you at ease, if you're yeah. an England fan. I, I'm very nervous about this because it is home nation and we saw in the Euros how much being the home nation really helped England get all the way to Wembley and win. And now the boot is on the other foot and now we are the ones going to the home nation's home ground and having to break their hearts. And I, I don't know, I'm sort of torn on this because I watched the Australia-France game and I thought, well, you know, did they re- did Australia look that great? You know, they yes, they neutralised France, but you know, they didn't take any chance themselves, they didn't score a goal. In fact, I don't think they've scored a goal in a in a World Cup quarterfinal since as far back as uh, 2003 or something like that, or even earlier. So I look at this and think, you know, we could have a chance, but then again, we haven't been we haven't been that great ourselves. Um, to wrap this up, Matt, semi-final predictions: Can we beat the host nation to get to a final, a first ever World Cup final for the women's team? We should add. Well, what's the saying? Third time's the charm. It worked for Australia in the penalties. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't. I, it, it's a. Ta- it's going to be a tasty affair. I just have a feeling that Australia might nick it. It's going to be small margins, but this yeah. is going to be a hell of a chess match. Um, yeah. No matter what happens, it, this is essentially what could have been a good, great final. Yeah, unfortunately, the way the draw fell out in the earliest, we, 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 we weren't going to play them in semi-final. I think it's going to be a brilliant game, and I think it's going to be a Australia versus England is always a very emotionally loaded game, and I think this one will be no difference. Um, we did briefly cover predictions in the England pod, but I'll, we'll come back again to you, Lottie. Um, I think we all know which way you you think this is going to go. Um, but just a quick one. I'm going to I'm going to back the underdogs, and that is the England girls. Fair enough. Fair Sorry. enough. Sorry, Steph, yeah. forward, we love you, but. Mm. Home allegiances have called me home. I'm terrified of this game. I'm in a lucky position where I'm actually going to be able to watch it. I'm going to be listening on the radio in the office. Um, I don't think I could watch a game like this, but I have Sky Plus it just in case. I so hope we can do it um, and beat Australia. But I just I, I just think that with the, the 12th player, the other home crowd and, and Sam Kerr came back for fitness, I think that might just edge it. But if it's England, what I like about this England team is we've not been the fluent team we were at the Euros. We've not been the exciting, dominant, beat teams, 8-0, 5-0, beating Sweden 4-0, that sort of team. But what we have been is dogged, determined, resilient, a real sort of fighting spirit. We've not, we've played ugly at times. China is sort of the, the celebration of our football. You could probably say all the other games we've had to dig deep and the Columbia game is, is a perfect example where we've just, we've not, it, it's difficult for us to win, but we've made ourselves hard to beat with this back three formation. We're a bit more defensive and we're a bit more about sort of controlling the games and, and, and neutralising opposition. And I'm intrigued to see if, if, if Australia, with that left flank axis of, of Ford and Catley, if they can't break us down, maybe we've got to, we'll have a chance. But we've got to be so ruthless. Hemp and, and Russo have got to be so ruthless. And we've seen them fumble a few chances this World Cup. But I think it's going to be fascinating. And if, if we win, um, I mean, again, we saw how big the Euros win, home Euros win was massive for women's football in our country. If we get to a World Cup final, it's only going to get further. But I would also say if we were to leave with a bronze medal like we did in 2015, I think it, you know, that did wonders for our women's game. And I think 
considering the injuries we've got, the absentees, the suspensions. Lauren James won't be available for this semi-final either. If we were to get come away with a bit of silver, if it's just a bronze medal, I, I think we can leave our heads held high. Um, but that's not until um, next week. That's Tuesday. Tuesday will be Spain versus Sweden. Wednesday will be Australia versus England. We've got all that to look forward to. And we will be picking apart those two games um, as they happen. But that for tonight is the end. Um, the end of the quarterfinals. The World Cup is almost over. Only a few games left. So it just leaves me to say uh, farewell to my stupendous co-hosts, Lottie and Matt. Matt, where can we find you in the world of social media? People can find me on Twitter at MattLR28. And Lottie, where can we find you? You can find me getting tormented by Adam on the <laughs> Or at a, a Lottie AWFC on, well, actually no, at Lottie underscore AWFC on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. And you can find me um, tormenting Lottie and Matt and posting nonsense about Arsenal, the Arsenal women, Lionesses, etc. at Adam Salter 4. Do make sure you uh, follow our official Vic Acres Wonderland podcast official Twitter account where we'll be showing updates for all our pods. Um, we'll be sharing out links after the show. But thank you once again for listening, for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Um, make sure to give us a like, subscribe, follow. And we will catch you on the next pod. Thank you.